This is CliffCentral.com. You're listening to The Bounce Show with Byron Karpinski. I'm Hugh Bladen, and it's on CliffCentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Blades, and it's Ben Karpinski. Why didn't you tell me? Ben Karpinski on CliffCentral.com. Good day, hello. 22nd of March, it is The Bounce Show with me, Ben Karpinski. Big surprise, that one. So today, well, right now, SA versus Australia, third test at Newlands. Huge, huge sporting spectacle. This because Kahisa Rabada is back, the Proteas are raring to go, and the Aussies, well, they're everyone's favorite villains right now. Speaking of favorite villains, you might know Dennis Friedman. He is, of course, my favorite Australian. I made a video recently about all the Australians that are good, and he does make the list. I caught up with him yesterday, and we're talking all things about crossing lines, all things around the SA vs. Australia Test Series so far and a whole bunch of other stuff. So let's get into that. And when we're done with this, we'll catch up on the rest of the big sporting attractions. But first, Dennis, of course, he is an esteemed guest of the show, a repeat offender many, many times. He keeps coming back and always just such amazingly good value. So for me to talk about rugby this week would be stupid. For me to talk about golf this week, despite the WGC being on, would also just be brain dead. I've got to talk cricket. And more importantly, I've got to talk cricket with an Australian. There's no better. It's Dennis Friedman. <laughs> ben, thank you very much. Well, I'm happy to talk golf. Um, but, uh, you know, if we're going to be playing at Cape Town, we probably should talk about that. Is there any water down there at the moment? I need to know. Well, Dennis, no. The, 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 the answer from an insider is no, but... That whole day zero thing was really bad for tourism, so they've actually scrapped it because tourists don't want to be scared about the fact there's no water. So there is no water, but you can use it, if that makes any sense to you. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't think we should get into that. I think you guys have got better things to complain about than if the, the art feels going to be green or nuts. So on, um, if you were watching my YouTube channel recently, I, you know, cause the tempers have been flaring pretty, pretty hard left, right and center in this whole Aussie series. And I've always been in the opinion that Australians are mostly misunderstood and we should give them more time and their culture is different to ours. And deep down, they're actually decent blokes. So I put a video out just sort of, you know, kind of putting this in the balance. And then I listened to your podcast this week. And um, I, I heard this, Dennis. Now, I, I just want to play this so that we can be on the, on, the, on the same playing field, so to speak. And the thing about South Africa you need to know mm. is these guys are stuck in the 70s culturally. So they love a good gay joke. They love a good homophobic joke. They love a good sexist joke. They're all into racism. On the I, surface, I, believe, I think this is racism no. <laughs> Dennis is doing now. No. We're calling him out. This is very meta. I, I've had a chat, I've had a chat with, I've, I've had a chat with Ben Karpinski, friend of the show about this, our resident South African expert. Uh, and it's all your fault, Ben. If you listen to Ben's show, he's swearing, joking, and all the things in Australia that 15 years ago we could do, mm. they're another 15 years behind. I'm just saying that in 15 years, they think it's funny. sledging will be gone. Michael Holding would have no, no conversation between the two teams. So, Dennis, just a couple of things. Firstly, your maths is pathetic. 15 years ago in the 70s. And secondly, why, why are you labelling me as this, this throwback, archaic, racist homophobe? You're the pinup boy for it. I've got to tell you. I've got to tell you this, Ben. So, oh, oh. Um, oh no, sorry. Well, you're you're my face of of South African culture. <laughs> Which should you be know me. you are. <laughs> and. And when I listen to Cliff Central and I listen to your show, which I've done for many a year, um, and I've got a whole lot of Aussies following the show now too, right back to the early days when before you were a big shot wearing white pants and white belts on golf courses and driving <laughs> cars that you, get, that you get paid to review, 
that start with a B and end with an MW. Um, you know, I've, I've followed your career for some time, and the, the one thing I've picked up about South Africans is they, they're, they're not shy um, about um, saying things as it is. So political correctness really struggles to get a foothold from what I see in South Africa. And one of your, uh, let's say, one of your fellow uh, broadcasters has written a book about this exact topic. Um, and so, you know, if you listen to Cliff Central, listen to Ben Karpinski, you will hear inappropriate jokes. Sorry, I'll, in Australia, they would be labelled inappropriate. In the UK, they'd be labelled inappropriate. For people like you and I, they're just funny. But uh, and I love it. I, I'm not anti-South African. I, I, it just reminds me of Australia in the 70s or 80s, listening to you guys rant on about... Um, how things are, um, but you can't do that in other parts of the world because the the mad lefties come jumping over the top and beat you over the head with bloody tofu. Well, Dennis, it's quite funny you put that in perspective because firstly, I, I would I would disagree that I'm an out and out homophobe slash racist, but I see where you're going with this is that we do speak our mind, but we we are covered in lefties here. We cannot move for the lefties. They're they're grabbing at your legs. They're coming out of like the the, the floors, the cracks in the pavement. They're everywhere. So I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that you, you you can reaffirm that we haven't sunk to those levels yet. No, I'm, and look, let's be clear. I'm not labelling you as a homophobe or a racist. I was um, I was extending the metaphor to extremes to to make a point that the the great thing about South Africans is that you will speak your mind without fear or favour. And I just it just reminds me of the good days in Australia growing up as a kid. Now I can't even sneeze without being told I'm going to give some kid polio. Well, you know, that said, your latest, I mean, this isn't an intro about us blowing each other's horns, but I mean, your latest podcast of Cardball Constro, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. And I almost feel when you were away and Katz and uh, Dan were doing their things, you kind of come back and you add that South African charm to it by just basically bulldozing through topics and being completely inappropriate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, one day I'm going to get locked up for it, but, uh, uh, yeah, we're, we're probably, I don't know, I think your show's maybe six or five months older than ours. What, you've been here six, seven, something like that, um, in terms of the bounce and how long it's been going. But we're going a long time and we, yeah, I don't know, yeah, we just talk cricket as it should be talked about. Well, exactly. So, you know, the, the whole thing about politically correctness and that kind of stuff, maybe it's a really great starting point for this conversation because... The way I see it is that the ICC have got it wrong. Um, Robada in his own way has got it wrong, and Steve Smith continues to get it wrong. So just let's just start off. Robada's clear, okay? So he is not going to serve a two-match ban. It is seen that he didn't make uh, what's the inappropriate and um, oh, shit, I'm losing my words intentional. here. Intentional contact. So you know, obviously, from an Australian point of view, in, on on Twitter. Most South Africans, and this is where I will agree with the generalizations, is that if you don't agree with the narrative, then basically people wish cancer upon you. Just like take us through from your perspective, because the great thing about you is that you're not a one-night supporter. You are quite balanced. I mean, you do pull the piss on both sides. What was your take on that whole thing from Rabada's point, Smith's point, okay. ICC's point? Okay, so let's first start before the accusations come that I don't believe that Rabada is a homophobe or racist. Um, <laughs> Now, look, the guy, the, the, the problem with Rabada was not the incident. He walked, you know, he got Smith out, he walked past him, he gave him a little hip and shoulder. Um, you know, if, if that was Australian rules football or rugby and you got that, you wouldn't even blink an eyelid. Steve Smith decided to turn into an Italian soccer player for those three seconds and have a sook. Um, 
David Boone was cringing, you know, watching that how Smith reacted to that. I reckon that was not the hard bastard stuff that we need from an Australian skipper. Um, so Rabada's at fault. He shouldn't have bumped him. Smith's at fault for having a sook. But it goes back, I think, to how the ICC is policing this demerit point system, because Rabada got in, is really only got into trouble because he had um, hanging, uh, demerit points hanging over him from yeah. the Indian series where he was giving it to Virat Kohli. Yet Virat Kohli left the Indian and South African series um, with rose petals falling on his head. Um, yet he's the biggest ass hat there is out there who sledges. Um, so it's the inconsistency of how it's all policed, I think, is the problem. And the symptom is the, is the fact that you then had Rabada get a two-match ban for nothing other than sort of um, being uncoordinated. Um, and I'm glad that um, the New Zealand High Court judge decided to throw the case out because he didn't deem it intentional because that's the right outcome. We need to see 22-year-old kids who are now number one in the world and who have better records at their age and, in fact, in, part in their career in some instances, if you look at the stats, than a whole lot of legends yeah. um, out on the field. You know, Rabada's now got more tenfers in a match then guys like McGrath, Kirtley Ambrose, Courtney Walsh, James Anderson, and Alan Donald did in their whole career. Yeah, staggering. And, the, and he's only twenty. It's, he's only twenty-two, and he's played something like twenty-eight Test matches. Um, you know, McGrath played uh, one hundred and twenty-two Test matches, and Anderson's played one hundred and thirty-six or something. The guys, these are the guys when Test cricket's at risk that you need to find ways to have them on the pitch, not find ways to get them off the pitch. And to be honest, mate, I give a rat's toss bag or wouldn't have given a rat's toss bag if Rabada had properly cleaned up Steve Smith's Sonny Bill, Sonny Bill Williams style and just run straight through him. I reckon that's what cricket's lacking. I want to see some more Java Min, that Dennis Lilly bat-waving at people, kicking him in the shins action. I think cricket's ready. You know, if we're going to embrace T20, let's embrace cricket as a contact sport now well i'm not going to fight you on that because i think cricket was much poorer after andrew simon's shoulder barge the streaker because we haven't we haven't seen such intensity ever since that but we were given the prime example of it but i i do believe that test cricket has got to be seen differently i mean people can be little little boys and girls around t20 cricket and odi cricket but test cricket's got to be this thing where you've got to be a, a, a grown man and like just looking at Steve Smith's reaction and what he's been saying of late, you don't want to see that from like a guy that you I mean, you got to admit his batting is incredible. I love watching him play, but watching him act like a little bitch, it takes so much away from the contest. It's almost like hollow if he is to be dismissed now by Rabada because I don't know. I've, I've kind of lost respect for him what he's been doing. So this is my point, Ben. Before when you say little bitch, if I said that on can't bowl, can't throw, I would be swamped <laughs> by. Guys, guys that write for the Guardian or the ABC, or all the vegetarians and vegans out there, I can't say little bitch. You can say little bitch. This is my point. You South Africans don't know how good you've got it. <laughs> okay, I just want just want to touch on Steve Smith here because I think we covered the ICC. There, it's pretty clear. Yeah. I mean, they've got to be smarter than this. And if Jeff Crow wants to have a little cry about this because his thing was overruled, I think you know, I don't know. It's just, it just seems like it's. A, no, no, ben, ben. Ben, Jeff, Jeff Crow did the right thing. Jeff Crow followed the rules. Jeff Crow's got a lot of integrity, and Jeff Crow um, made the right decision for what he had to do. But he deemed it but deliberate. There's the no problem way is, that was deliberate and malicious. Um, 
No, you know, but that's an objective. That's a subjective thing. So Jeff can see it one way, and, and Heron, the New Zealand judge, can see it another way, and you and I can see it the third way. I don't know what's the third way between it was or it wasn't, but let's assume in some parallel universe there is one. Um, you've already proven that maths is not very good. But, um, yeah, Jeff had a job to do, and he did his job. And But that there's, it's not as though it's the first time in South that uh, we've had match referees had things overturned. You know, Mike Proctor had... Um, uh, had uh, Monkey Gate overturned when he was match referee with Harbhajan Singh and Andrew Simons, um, again by a New Zealand High Court judge. Um, they seem to be the guys that bring sense to these things. But, um, you know, they're doing their job. The, the, the issue is the ICC just haven't got it structured right. And, in fact, this demerit point system, which is only fairly recent, is probably the issue. I'd get rid of the demerit points and just treat every case on its merits and, if you do something wrong in a match, get a fine or miss a match. But I don't like this system of adding points together and you get some sort of no, uber fine because I, I you did something three because, series ago. Because like Rabada can get a, a, a demerit point now and his argument with Dick Weller a few years ago will come into it and therefore get him yeah. to put it off the edge. It's just stupid. I mean, I don't like David Warner, but Durban's a thing of the past. If he gets demerit points now, this is a well, fresh mate, thing. Yeah, and Mitch Marsh got a demerit point and got fined for swearing at Rabada when Rabada bowled him and he had to walk off. And Rabada's probably said something under his breath. No, but the no, cameras no. picked up Mitch Marth saying, get F something, you know, uh, uh, let's insert a word that means female genitalia. And he got the demerit point for guys playing test cricket and releasing emotions with words that they, mate, I don't know about you, but I was brought up with sticks and stones can break your bones, but words may never hurt me. And I think if we're starting to police what gets said on the field that in the co- normal course of action wouldn't be picked up by anybody or heard by anybody unless the stunt microphone's turned on. And there's an eight-second delay, which means that the producer can turn it off if it's offensive. Why are we punishing our test cricketers for being as hard as they can be and being emotionally invested in one of the toughest games in the world? It's just ridiculous. I guess I've, I've got a view on that, that I think if you bring people's families and, you know, if you step outside the person on the pitch and go to their, you know, sort of families and whatnot, I think maybe there should be consensus that that's outside the line. But then again, um, you know, if I was playing Graham, Graham Smith the week after he broke up with his Wi-Fi text message, I would have been all over that. So um, who knows, mate? <laughs> it's a hard thing to come to, to sort of draw a line in the sand. I think you're right. Yeah, well, look, you would like to think, and I think it was uh, KP, the Oracle, which is Kevin Peterson, who's now retired to obviously concentrate more on being the smartest man in cricket. He said, these boys will sort themselves out. You say something, it'll come back to haunt you. Let's just let the boys be boys out there and let's just carry on with the game, which I thought was actually pretty smart because these things, we're in an age where we try to over-police everything. We try to over-control everything, whether it's if your kid's gluten-free or your test batsman is using the word see you next Tuesday. It's, it's, it's stupid. Yeah, it is stupid. And who who knew that Kevin Peterson would be the voice of reason? Speaking of voices, I've I've got to read you this because Steve Smith had a, a bit of a go about what's happen, happening with this verdict. So he went on to say that obviously yeah. the ICC, you know, it's a it's a 
difficult precedent to set from here because everyone's going to want to overturn things. I totally agree with him here. The ICC have put themselves in a, in a, in a big spot. But one thing I did find really interesting was how he said he wasn't consulted on his side of the story. He believes he should have been in order for a verdict to take place. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm going with that because I'm a fair person. One thing I did take offense to, or I didn't take offense because I don't get, I don't really get offended, but he said, I certainly think he bumped me a little harder than it actually looked on the footage. I'm not sure where he's going with that. It didn't, it didn't bother me too much. Coming from a guy who, who gesticulated the umpire straight away like, oh, I got shoulder charge. He says, it didn't bother me too much. I guess the emotion after you get out, you don't really, okay, he uses bad English here, because he's won the contest. Therefore, he says the emotion's gone because he's won the battle. What's the point of over-celebrating and getting in the face of a batter? You've already won the battle. Has this guy never seen Mitchell Stark... Josh Hazelwood, take a wicket. Did he not see David Warner after the run out of Abu de Villiers? I mean, does this guy, does he zone out? <laughs> uh, my, my, my biggest issue with that statement is that he's used the term batter. <laughs> he deserves three demerit points just for that. Um, but, you know, there's so much to pick apart in. I don't believe, you know, but let's start at the start. I don't believe Steve Smith deserves to have a say about what happened or didn't happen. He had his say in the initial hearing. His evidence isn't going to change because Rabada sure. appealed it. And he's not the prosecutor. He's the witness. And the witness has made his statement and there's nothing else to add. So get out of the way, Steve, and let the process take its course. You're not prosecuting Rabada. You've probably got no interest in seeing him banned, to be honest. So well, what do you care? Um, and, and I agree with you, mate. You know, Nathan Lyon dropping balls on A.B. de Villiers after a run-out and getting away with that. And uh, that, yeah, that's probably the ugliest incident that's happened so far this tour. Yeah, sure. And nothing, and there was no repercussions for that. That was that was yuck. I didn't like that at all. I've got no issues with words. I, I couldn't give a, a shit what words are said. And, in fact, some of the best parts about Test cricket are the famous sledges that we've heard over the years. Thank you. Um, and, and I'm kind of not that worried about minor physical altercations that are sort of, you know, a little shoulder brush. KP's um, probably right. The, the boys all sort it out. They're, they're big lads. They're on good money. They're, they're, they're playing test cricket. They're not playing the under-14s um, Pretoria Chess Championship. Yeah. Okay, so my next question, do you think this kind of stuff is happening now because test captains aren't as strong or hard bastardish as they used to be? Um... Well, I reckon Cole is probably the hardest one we've seen for a long time, and he does the most of it. Um, Alistair, Alistair Cook's probably, he's not captain anymore, but he was probably the weakest we've seen in a generation, and yet James Anderson was out of control. You know, he's a guy that he shoved Ravi Jadeja in the players' race. Um, so I'm not sure it's a captaincy thing. I think it comes down to the individual and how they deal with stress and how they like to show their emotions. Um, I, again, it just comes back to if a player steps well out of line where something's fairly unambiguous that it shouldn't have happened, deal with it. And there's a system to deal with it, but let's not go looking for little bits and pieces and misdemeanors and this and that. The reality is now that with the law changes back in October is that the umpires have yellow and red cards. So if you really want to put the blame somewhere, blame on the umpires for not being strong enough. It's not the captains. The umpires have got a mechanism to deal with it. They can give penalty runs now for this type of stuff. 
All right, well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was my next question, is that do we go to the stage now of cards? Because then it really will be a stage where it's becoming like football, and I think that'll be the worst thing, to go with cards and that kind of stuff. I mean, do you believe it's got a future, that the umpires, when you say they should be more proactive, that they should be utilizing this stuff? I wouldn't be using cards, but I'd be using the, the laws that allow you to penalize up to five runs for, for this type of behavior. And if you're not happy with, rather than reporting Mitch Marsh for swearing when he goes off the ground, just give him five runs. If you're not happy with Rabada giving a little shoulder tap, five runs. It'll quickly dissipate because the captains won't stand for it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you see captains getting uh, fined or suspended for slow overrates. That kind of sorts things out in ODI cricket pretty well. Yeah, no, well, the mechanism's there. We've just got to see the umpires a bit stronger. Although, to be fair... The umpires don't even take control of no balls anymore. I don't even know what they do apart from be a, a glorified coat rack. They hold your hat. They just leave everything to the third umpire now. So we're probably um, hoping on hope that uh, the umpires can do something they're not physically capable of, to be fair. It's true. It's a coat rack that can count to six. That's pretty much it. <laughs> well, no way, Billy Bowden couldn't even do that. Hang a second. It's a coat rack that can count to six and tell a band to stop playing. That's pretty much the full skill set. <laughs> Uh, but this is more Vuvuzelas. Well, we don't really have Vuvuzelas at the cricket. We have them at the football. There's a little cultural sort of uh, catch-up for you there because you were saying that, that you're surprised you haven't seen them yet. That's more of a football kind of thing. That's right. So into the actual cricket yeah. itself. Into the actual cricket itself. Have you, been, have you been surprised that all this has been a tight series considering the fact that the Proteas were kind of a little bit dog shit going into this after India beat them at the Wanderers and then ODI form was just so terrible? No, nah, ODI form is not a reflection of test form at all. Um, you look, you beat India, was it 2-1? Tough series, um, good series to watch, to be fair. One of the better series I've seen for a long time. Um, Australia's come off a fairly good summer, smashing the palms in the ashes. Um, I'm, I'm pro- I was probably more surprised that Australia won the, won the first test. Um, but then when you dig down a bit, Australia hasn't lost a test series in South Africa for 30 years. Yeah, um, and, and South Africa has lost the Test series in Australia since since God knows when. So, for whatever reason, um, and maybe it's because we're both in the Southern Hemisphere and sort of have similar pitches, we, yeah. we like playing at each other's grounds. Um, so I'm not su- I'm not surprised that it's won all, um, but I'm probably surprised that Australia won the first one. I thought they were more likely to win the second one. Um, but I, I love it. I love that there's some spice in it because the Ashes was so boring. Um, and I love the fact, I love the Rabada thing, I love the Warner thing, I love the Sonny Bill Williams thing, I love Lyon dropping balls on Faf, I love Faf running out topless in the in the players' race, just going pure alpha male. Um, I, I, there's, there's just so much drama in this thing. It's, it's days of our lives for guys like you and I, mate. We should embrace it. Yeah, it really is. And the fact that it's four tests and it's not some sort of token two-test series or three-test even, it really is. It's, it's the absolute business. Because I, I tried that Ashes series. I really did. I knew Australia were going to walk it, but it was so boring. I think that MCG test was one of the most boring things we've seen since, uh, I don't know, it was setting new lows for me. Yeah, it wasn't. The whole series was average. But let's not talk about the Ashes. Let's get back to the test series. I'll tell you what, I'm just... I'm, you have no idea how excited I am to see Rabada just pound in at, at Newlands. I, I think it's I think the first spell he bowls, whether he bowls in the first or you know in, when um, set up a bowl, is going to be must watch TV. It's going to be one of the great spells of bowling we're ever going to see, and I wouldn't be surprised if he just carves through Australia. 
Well, he's got that. So then Morley Morkel can't get a look in. The guy needs three wickets to get a, get to 300. Like, you know, there's obviously a lot of hype. And again, the, the reason I love talking to you is because it's like a, it's a view from outside of SA. But do you think there's like a little bit too much hype about the future of SA's bowling talents or from what you see with, you know, do you think Rabada's going to stay the course? Do you think Ngidi's going to step up and be at his level? You know, like from, from your side, do you think this really is like the future of our crickets looking strong in that respect? Oh, the South African quick fast bowling quartet at the moment is the best fast bowling quartet we've seen since the 1980s West Indies, mate. Um, and, and any of the four that played in the last test, you got to remember you got Flander, X number one, you got Rabada, current number one, who has a strike rate in the 40s, and Geesey's just an absolute freak um, as well. Ngidi, sorry. Um, Mornay Morkel can't get a look in and, and screw him anyway. He's quitting Test cricket to take a cold pack contract, so he deserves what he gets. But <laughs> when he bowls, you know, there's no there's no one in, in world cricket that gets the bounce off a length that he does. And then we forget that um, the GOAT, Dale Stain, is ready to make a comeback shortly. So um, you've got six bowlers there, and you could just throw them, you know, scramble them around and pick any four, and you've probably got the best four bowlers going around in world cricket as, as a quartet. Mm. It's just fantastic. I love it. Uh, and we haven't seen enough of it. You know, the biggest issue we've had in cricket recently has been pitches and how docile they are and flat they are and dead they are. Um, and, and your current, you know, as I said, six quicks that you can potentially put on the park are, are just bringing back fast bowling, and, and we've missed that. We haven't, you know, how long has it been since we've seen Shub and Wackar and Alan Donald and, um, you know, real express bowlers just hurting people. And we're, we're back to those days with the South African bowling attack at the moment. I just love it. Well, I've got into many fights on about this online, but I believe that Test cricket is about the hard and fast bowlers who are really striking fear rather than a spinner opening with a new ball. I think Test cricket takes a step back when that happens. So obviously, I mean, recently, do you think it's, it's been a big factor in Test cricket maybe getting a little bit too bland, a little bit too plateaued? Was because spin came into it too much with India? Uh, no, I think... The, 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 I'll probably have a different view to that. I think the fact that we have different conditions around the world is a good thing. But I just don't want the same conditions everywhere in the world. And that's what we were having. Um, now, if you play in India or you play in Sri Lanka and you're open with a, with a, a right arm off spinner or chucker, so be it. But if you're doing that on Boxing Day at the MCG, then we've got a problem. Um, I think the, the big thing that's lacking in Test cricket at the moment that hopefully we see coming in the coming years will be the Test Championship. And when every match is for points rather than just some random trophy that means nothing, um, we'll be in a much better state. And I think you'll see pitches get prepared better. I think we'll see some really interesting selections. I think you'll see test cricket sort of evolve again um, with with some, uh, you know, test cricket's attacking, much more attacking now than it was 20 years ago. I think we'll see it go to the next level again when there's, you know, three points on the line for a win and you need to do that to qualify for a semi-final, hopefully played in Karachi or something like that, right? Um, when there's context like you do have in soccer or any other sport or the Super 15s or whatever it is, that's when you get the best out of it, out of the game. And at the moment, Test cricket lacks context. Yeah, I think when there's more at stake, the guys might behave better too. So again, it can only go in the right direction with this kind of stuff. So, cock on block, what do you reckon on the outcome next two matches? We're currently at one all. We've got Cape Town and then we've got the Wanderers where the Aussies will have to arrive in an armoured cavalcade, I, I must say. Um, oh, I've got no idea. I'm not going to predict that. <laughs> I just want to sit back and be a fan and um, watch watch the outcome. I just think it's going to be 
I think the New Orleans test has the potential to be one of the greatest test matches we've ever seen. And that that's enough for me. Who wins, I'm not so fussed, but I just I'm really interested in the contest and there's just so much um emotion riding on it. And I love the fact that um Faf just doesn't back away from anything. He's probably up there with Coley as as the toughest test captain around at the moment. And uh if we can um if if he can bring his A game from the hard bastard perspective, um it's gonna be fantastic. Yeah, it'd be great if he knew what to do with a ball outside of off stump for a start, though. But that's just me wanting too much. Okay, Dennis, before we let you go, because I know it's late outside Australia time, you were involved with Pakistan cricket again, and this time you were with Danny Morrison, if I remember correctly from your tweets, at the PSL, the T20 thing? Uh, look, I was over there with the PCB's digital sponsor, um, or rights holder, and they asked me to come over to the Emirates and cover... Um, the tournament for 10 or 12 days and um, it was probably their biggest, the biggest mistake the PCB's ever made because they gave me an all-access uh, media pass and said, here's a cameraman and just run around and do behind-the-scenes stuff. So um, I got up to a lot of mischief and um, it was a lot of fun. I got to run around, um, you know, walk around the ground and engage with the crowds in, in Dubai and Sharjah. I got to interview a lot of players. I got to play golf with Sean Massoud. I got to meet um, Viv Richards and meet the team owners and um, oh, just all kinds of crazy stuff. And, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. And, um, you know, that tournament means so much to so many people. It, it's it, it's got a unique purpose in life. You know, um, there's, there's the, the damn wall starting to bust regarding cricket getting back into Pakistan and, and the PSL is just one of those pathways that's helping to do that and, uh, yesterday, uh, they played the semi-final in Lahore and um, the the finals coming up in Karachi, which hasn't held an international match at all for, for 10 years. And um, the crowds are just turning out in droves in, in Pakistan. Now, the crowds weren't so great in, in Dubai and Sharjah because there's not that many Pakistanis there. But, um, you know, we're just starting to... And, uh, but there's 24 internationals made their way to Pakistan for the finals, including Viv, um, and, uh, you know, we're just getting closer and closer to seeing cricket back there. And it's one of the great places to see cricket play. It's one of the great uh, um, places that we see just amazing talent and unique talent come out. You know, you can't replace people like Javed Mindad or Shahid Afridi or, or Yunus Khan or Shahabak. These guys are one. You know, South Africa doesn't produce them. Australia doesn't produce them. Only Pakistan produces them. And it was just great to be part of it. And, and do my little bit to try and help promote um, the cause of uh, what they're saying is bringing cricket home. All right. Well, I'm not going to get any more to that because in your last podcast, uh, you guys went quite extensively into what you did there. But I was going to ask before we leave. Now, you obviously you're a you're a family man. You're a you're a career man. You do all the cricket stuff on the side. Are you ever going to look to kind of maybe go the full route of just being Dennis the cricket guy? Uh, I'd like to if you can find a way to pay me enough. <laughs> there's no money in it people have this uh, view that um, you know oh, cricket journalists and all this oh, what a life you, you, you make a squillion and you get to travel the world and do this and do that um, I can tell you that the majority <laughs> the majority of them it's Airbnbs it's, it's living on um, two minute noodles um, and it's the pressure of having to write a piece every day and make it interesting about the same freaking stuff that goes on in the field um, so it's not that easy you know Unless you can get a gig like Danny Morrison and go from T20 tournament to T20 tournament calling on the TV, um, it's not that easy. So, 
I don't know. At the moment, I'm just enjoying it, having a bit of fun and doing what I do, mate. Um, you know, you never say never. All right. Well, what's, what's Danny like? Because he's always come across as a bit of a knob. No, he's the opposite. He's, he, really? he's an absolute gentleman. He loves a laugh. He's a Kiwi, so he um, doesn't take himself too seriously. And uh, he's no different to how he is on TV. You know, he's a bit quirky. Um, but he's generally just a bloke with a big smile on his face and um, happy to engage with whoever and um, has a very doesn't doesn't have a sense of ego or anything like that. Um, he's just got a unique way of calling the game, and um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Dennis. All right, cool. All right, Dennis, we'll, um, we'll 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 keep the conversation going. I I will put cock and block and say that the Proteas will actually win the series from here. I think I think David Warner lost the series because he acted the way he did. And uh, it's galvanized this team into what its true potential is. But yeah, we'll we'll keep the conversation going. And um, yeah, you, you've got to get out here at some stage. I, I don't know when the next SA Australia series is, but let's make a plan. It'll be it'll be far funnier having this conversation in the stands. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting back. I haven't been in South Africa since maybe 2008, so it's been a while. Um, but uh, definitely a place I want to get back to. But I'll make it. I'll make it back once you guys have got some water and you've sorted your politics out a bit. Well, we've got plenty of water. It's just Cape Town. Literally, it's just Cape Town. Um, well, actually, what happened was that some some attention-seeking preachers said it's because there's too many gays in Cape Town. Because Cape Town's got the most gays, therefore there's no water, and Jesus is punishing them. So that's the actual word in the in, in the churches. So that's the point. He, he, he can say that in South Africa. You see that in Australia. He lynched. Again, it comes back to my point earlier. As I said, you're, you're my poster boy for all things politically incorrect. Embrace it. All right, I'm not going to fetch on that. Dennis, thanks so much for your time as always. Go on, Ben. See you, mate. Dennis is, of course, on Twitter. Dennis Cricket underscore at the end. That's Dennis two ends. And uh, his weekly uh, weekly podcast, wow, it, it really is so good. Like, there's probably about like I listen to a lot of podcasts, but very few kind of stick and that I actually subscribe to and actually listen to on a week to week basis. And the can't ball can't throw podcast, I really can't say enough about it and i know sometimes i come across as quite cynical and quite negative uh many people have said as much but when i do like something i always give very genuine praise and dennis is just one of those guys he's just really good and i hope you enjoy having him on the show from time to time so as you know it is live right now 20 if you're listening live you're probably watching the cricket not listening to this that's why the beauty of the podcast is you can come back at any time and listen to the entire show but sa won the toss and they are batting first and they're currently two for zero. What a test match this is going to be. I'm so, so excited. But speaking about test cricket, England, yeah, they're still on the, on the, on the road. So we all know they went to Australia and they took an absolute trousering from, uh, the Aussies, which was very, very predictable. And it was four nil in the end, only because the MCG was just the most revolting test pitch, which offered absolutely nothing for anybody whatsoever. So they managed to draw there. I mean, Alistair Cook got a whole bunch of runs. But otherwise, they were thrashed, and now they're not. They're in New Zealand, so let's just see this. They went away, I think November. It is now March. I mean, these guys, like um, the, the kids, must have forgotten about them. But well, the way they're battered today, I'm pretty sure the kids don't want to know about them anyway. England were bowled out for 58. <laughs> Oh, I love these guys. Uh, if you go into the bounce.co.za, you'll find on the homepage right now, there's a full breakdown of the scorecard there. And of course, the amazing partnerships. So let's go through the partnerships. Uh, six, zero, ten, two, zero, zero, five, zero, four. The tenth wicket partnership with England teetering at 27 for nine produced 31 amazing runs. 
Overton scored, well, he was top scorer in the entire end of 33, but England all out for 58. Just the most English thing it really is. These guys are incredible. And well, New Zealand are going to win this one. It's just, you, you can't do that at this level of the match, at level of the game. So that's England. They are doing what England does best. And I think they just want to go home now. They really do. But into look at, to, uh, sorry, look at the other sports highlights right now. Obviously last weekend was a big deal because Ireland beat England. And with that, they got the grand slam in the Six Nations that already won the Six Nations. So good for them. There's been some interesting matches in Super Rugby. Of course, at the moment, you know, the Aussie derbies, everyone kind of gives a skip with. The Sunwolves are basically losing. The Hagawarath continue to disappoint. So we always look out for that one New Zealand derby every weekend, which is going to be the best of the rugby. Local stuff-wise, well, the Stormers had a good win last week against the Blues. Interesting enough, actually, the Sunwolves took the Lions all the way to the end. Lions winning that one narrowly. So that's pretty much what we look, look forward to right now in Super Rugby. For the fixtures this weekend, Crusaders taking on the Bulls. The Bulls played bloody well last week. They're obviously a side that's kind of rebuilding. They've got a whole bunch of young talent that's coming through. New coach in John Mitchell. So I think expectations have to be sort of, um, well... It's like you should never tell fans to, you know, temper their their, their expectations. You, you should always be able to think that your team should win and care about that. Anyway, they are going from strength to strength though, and they will take on the Crusaders this Friday, so that'll be eight thirty-five. Then the Rebels will take on the Sharks at ten forty-five. The Sharks do have a few more box coming back, and the team should be a lot stronger. They're pretty limp against the Brumbies last week. It's got to be said. Then on Saturday, Sunwolves versus the Chiefs. Quarter past six, first thing in the morning. Then Hurricanes Highlanders. There's your big New Zealand derby, which is going to be the game of the weekend. 8.35 on Saturday. The Stormers then host the Reds at quarter past five in Cape Town on Saturday. And then the Hagawareth will take on the Lions. The Lions will again send a weakened team because that's all they really care about for this fixture. I think for as long as this fixture is. I know the first time this came into the news was... um Johan Ackerman's team was, well, they're destined to finish top of the log, but what they wanted to do was try and manage it so they didn't have to travel all the way to Hagawaiath country and then come back and be undercooked for the knockout stages. So they sent a weakened team out there and didn't get the, didn't get the points. They ended up losing. They ended up losing the chance of a home final despite being in a strong position. The year after that, well, it happened again, but they managed to get the home final. This year, yeah, it's, look, there's also the argument of testing your depth. You've got to do that at some stage in, in a competition. And because these tournaments are so long, you can basically do that because, you know, rugby is a squad game. It's not a 15 man game. And it hasn't been for quite some time now. So to get an extended kind of run for the squad members. And right, let's be honest, though, I got Hage Wada, though, she's pretty shit right now. I mean, they lost at home. They're losing to Aussie teams at home. That's when you know you're just not doing very, very well. In golf news, Roy McIlroy, wow, what a win last weekend at the Arnold Palm Invitational. That was just simply incredible. And it was an incredible tournament for so many reasons because Tiger was legitimately in the hunt on a Sunday. Now, we haven't been able to say that for quite some time. I know he did very well at that Velspar tournament, but this was like the best of the best going at an event that everybody wants to win. We all know the, his, the story behind the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Arnold Palmer recently passed away in the last few years. Um, I think this was the first time he wasn't really there. So it, it was a big deal to win this tournament and everybody wanted to be there. And, uh, Tiger was doing, you know, he was within one on the back nine. You know, that's how, that's how close he's getting now. That's how much better he is. And unfortunately for him, he had a bit of a brain fart on the 16th. Roy McElroy did the exact opposite. He just poured it in five birdies last six holes for him to be back and firing. That's amazing. This week is the World Golf Championships. McElroy and Dustin Johnson did lose their first round matches, but let's not get carried away with that. The important thing is that golf is in the best place it's been for years at the moment with Tiger in the pack. More people are watching golf. More people are wanting to play golf. 
it's never been so exciting. The fact that he's legitimately one of the favorites going into the Masters, yeah, I'll believe it, sure. I still don't think he'll win, but it is a massive, massive thing to think McElroy's firing, Dustin Johnson's still in the world number one, Jordan Spieth, no one's talked about him all year, Justin Thomas, last year's massive success story. These are all guys who are vying for this top spot, and there's so many different players like that. Ricky Fowler, after the many years he's had in the top 10, due for a major, he's also looking pretty good. Then we've got Bryson DeChambeau, who... This guy, I think, is going to become a real big deal. Absolute fruitcake, absolute head case of note. I mean, he's talking about air density when he's picking a club on the last hole. Uh, but it's good, though. Hey? It's really, really good. And I'm just so excited to be a golf fan. I think this is a great time. But the Masters is, of course, next weekend. That's the reason why I'm bringing this up. Another thing I want to bring up is that if you go into YouTube right now, the Masters has released a whole bunch of... Um, footage basically the last i think 50 years of what's going on or what has been happening in um in, in the great tournament you can watch all the sunday broadcasts so the final round youtube go on to the masters whatever the year that you really liked you want to watch again it's all there it makes for incredible viewing and will definitely get you into next weekend with a soft piano music which i shall play for you next thursday Bloody exciting times in sport. And of course, cricket. There's the test cricket on the go at the moment. Markham just got dismissed cheaply, unfortunately, by Hazelwood. But that's going to be on all weekend. Rugby-wise, you've got the Super Rugby. Football-wise, a bit of a lull right now. You won't be able to get too much going on with that. But who needs it? All about the Proteas. I'm going to wrap it up there because I want to go and watch the crickets. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Dennis. As always, Dennis is a fantastic source of information general entertainment and uh, all-around good Aussiness. If you go onto the YouTube channel at the moment, there's a fair amount of content you can get through there. Uh, last week, I got to drive the new Jaguar E-Pace, which was very, very cool. It's basically a sort of uh, smaller SUV. The F-Pace was their big SUV, if you think like a BMW X5 equivalent. And uh, I got to drive that, which is very, very fun. And then I made some other stuff around Aussie general stuff for the crickets that's it for the bad show this week catch you back next week and of course on monday to friday on the gareth cliff show right here on cliffcentral.com around 6 40 every morning south african time you can find me and my love of sport turned into a broadcast of sorts all right catch you back next week this is cliffcentral.com